Merry Christmas, everybody. It's that time of the year again, isn't it? And uh, I, I, uh, this was better than the first hour. I love watching you guys try to handle your kids up here and do the Advent reading. That was great. As long as it's somebody else, not me, I'm really thinking it's funny. But, uh, you know, that's part of Christmas. It's a little chaotic and it's a little bit uh, haphazard, and that's, that's okay. Um, Boy, I tell you, we're going to talk about something that's really important this morning as we get to this fourth Advent Sunday uh, before Christmas, and we are really focusing on the topic of peace. Let me set this up for you. Uh, I love the hike in the mountains, and part of the reason I like it is because the views are spectacular. You just really see some neat things. And uh, last year, Vicki and I drove the Million Dollar Way, uh, and we ended up in this town called Silverton in Colorado. And we were visiting in the visitor center there, I believe, and Vicki asked a question to the lady there, do you ever get tired of the view? Do you ever just get used to the view? And she said no. She was always um, taking in the view and always enjoying it. But I found myself getting used to it. We'd be driving along, and I'd realize, oh, I'm not looking at the view. I'm looking at the road, which you're supposed to be looking at the road. I understand that. But I, 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 I have to rediscover, oh, we're in the mountains. Look how beautiful this is. And once again, kind of enjoy uh, the moment. Um, you know, what Advent affords for us is this kind of, oh, I can see the beauty of Christ again. I can rediscover the view and the majesty uh, of what this is all about. And so part of the reason for doing these Sundays and having a tradition like this is that we would take and have it be a hook in our life to reignite our, our, our faith. So a tradition is helpful if you're taking notes. This is a new note guide. A tradition is helpful when it causes you to rediscover uh, Jesus, truth about Jesus. I think we can get so familiar with the story of Christ, with his birth and, and even the resurrection and Christ, Christmas and Easter and all those things, that we can lose the wonderment of, of, of it all. And I know when we travel through the mountains and frequently I had to tell myself, look at the wonderment of this thing and rediscover it. And this morning what I pray is that we rediscover some things about Jesus. And we're going to really zoom in on the peace we have in him and the wonderment of all that. But more than that, I think this affords us an opportunity to be amazed at who God is and what he's up to in our lives. I, 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 I just enjoyed Pastor Dave lighting the peace candle. And uh, you know, peace isn't necessarily free of chaos, right? Uh, when you looked at the little ones, they were feeding them. That's, that's like parenting 101. If you want your little ones to behave, by the way, if you have no little ones, there you go. As soon as you have a little one, you want them to be good, just shove food in their mouth. I know that some of you say, well, I don't want to bribe my kids. Bribe them. God's good. Do that when you have to do it. But I want to ask you a question this morning. As I was watching them, they handled it so well, didn't they? But let me ask you this question. How is your peace this morning? Are you an anxious person? Are you constantly upset with others? Are you constantly upset at what's going on in your life? This day affords us an opportunity, I think, to gain the peace of Christ. So open your hearts up to what God wants to speak to you this morning. I know it's like busy right now and everybody's thinking about everything uh, that's going on, but ask God to settle your heart down right now and just receive this word of peace that we're going to talk about today and, and enjoy the wonderment of it. Um, 
Years ago, I watched a movie. It's a romantic comedy. I don't watch a whole bunch of those, but it was called The First 50 Dates. Do you remember that movie? Or 50 First Dates, I think I'll use the right title. It starred uh, Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore. And the movie took place in Hawaii, which I don't know about you, but I wish I was in Hawaii today. Amen. And people are talking about a brown, brown or white Christmas here. I think, wrong question. We should be asking, why do we live here? And why don't we live in Hawaii? If you're going to ask questions and worry about things, you should live where the climate's beautiful. It's 85 in the day and 65 at night, right? No mosquitoes. Isn't that paradise? All right, I, this has nothing to do with the message, but if you're going to ask questions, ask the right questions. Well, at any rate, in this romantic economy, comedy, these two meet, and they have a wonderful first date. And they decide to meet for a second date at the same place the next day. So they meet the next day. She has no idea who he is. And the owner of the restaurant sees what's happening, pulls um, Sandler aside, and he says, let me explain some things to you. She had an accident, and so she has no short-term memory. And so she always relives the same day over and over again in her life. And she never remembers what happened yesterday. And he goes, oh. And so the, the, the movie's then about him trying to win her over with these first 50 dates. And everything is brand new to her every single time. And as the movie goes on, you could see him kind of, kind of wearing out. And, but everything's brand new to her. And she had fresh, a fresh wonderment of the same events as they did them over and over again. But the disadvantage was she would never remember him. But what struck me about the movie was she could genuinely enjoy the same thing over and over again. Our familiarity with the story of Christ sometimes I think gets in the way of really entering into the wonderment of it and the, being amazed by it. And it's a challenge for us. And I want to ex- challenge you this morning this way. See the mountains again. See the view again. Let the story of Christ capture you again. Be amazed at what's going on because God came into the narrative. The author became part of the story. He loves so much that he became present among his creation. And now he's a sympathetic high priest who understands us. You know, I think of it this way. God moved into our neighborhood and he's one of us. And he made a peace possible that's simply amazing that's adequate for any situation that we'll ever face in our lives. So this morning what I'm going to do with you is pick up the story of the birth of Jesus Christ right after he's born, following the angelic announcement. Now tomorrow in our Christmas Eve services, we'll go right back to the actual birth of Jesus and all that and get into that part of the story. But for today, we're picking up the story right after the announcement of the angels to the shepherds. I want to encourage you, rediscover the mountains today. Listen to this account. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So here we read Luke's account 
of the shepherds sharing about the birth of Jesus Christ. And I think they shared with some passion. What do you think? I think they shared, you know, uh, with some animation. I think they were rocked to the core, and it came out in how they shared the story because people were amazed that heard it. It was out of the box for shepherds to talk this way. I'm sure most of the time shepherds talk about sheep and the weather and grazing land and all that. I mean, if you go to a math class, you learn math, right? If you talk to a realtor, you usually talk about real estate. Um, you know, if you, if you go to a mechanic, you talk about your car. Shepherds talk about sheep, right? And here we have a bunch of shepherds, uh, and they're telling this improbable story uh, about this angelic visit and this baby Jesus. I think they were jacked up. That should be a term you're familiar with here, right? All right, I'm sorry, that was terrible. Some of you got to go, oh. If once such a person begins to tell you a story like this, you would think, wow, that's amazing. So I want to ask you this question here. Are you amazed by Jesus? Because that's the starting point of discovering who he is and rediscovering some truths about him. I think it opens up your heart to the things that God wants to speak to you. Are you amazed by Jesus? Um, this Sunday, this fourth Sunday at Advent, Pastor Dave and Heidi and family lit the peace candle. And one of, one of the most amazing things I think about Jesus is the peace that he brings to us. And it's peace that's available uh, to us. It seems logical to me that as the shepherds shared about the angelic visit, that they would have talked about this idea that God's bringing peace to us. Don't know what that means, but he's bringing peace to us. And I really do believe with all my heart that peace is the deep need and really desire of a human heart. And Jesus alone is the only source of that peace. And that's part of what we're celebrating today when we light the peace candle. I think that people are like me. And there's often an inner turmoil going on in the heart of unrest. And oftentimes the void is attempted to be filled by pursuit of the wrong kinds of things. And people can look really calm on the outside. And their lives can look put together on the outside. And they can look prosperous. And, and they can look like they have everything in the world. But if you could read into their soul, you would read an emptiness and an unrest and only Jesus can fill that place in the soul. John 14, 27 was read in our Advent lighting this morning. I want us to read it out loud together because this is part of the peace package that Jesus has brought to those who receive him by faith. So let's read this scripture out loud together. Would you read it with me, please? Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. The angels made this announcement to the shepherds that God's peace would rest on those whom he favored. And the way we come under God's favor is by receiving Christ as our Savior. Amen? And once we receive Christ as our Savior, he says and promises, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, I don't give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. I see a lot of techniques out 
there, and I've used them in my own life to manage stress. How about thinking on some of these with me? Think about this for a moment. We're taught to breathe, right? Not bad. If you're stressed out, it's okay to remember to breathe. It does calm you down. I remember sitting in the doctor's office once and getting my blood pressure taken, and, and Vicki was sitting there with me, and I get kind of white coat syndrome. Do you ever get that? And she goes to me, breathe. Oh, I forgot to breathe. That's important right now because it elevates your stress and your anxiety level, right? I see people oftentimes exercise to relieve stress. Do you do that? I do that. When I'm really feeling stressed out, you know what I do? I pound my body till there's nothing left again because it relieves stress. But here's what I want to tell you this morning. Those techniques aren't necessarily bad, but they're just getting at the symptoms and their momentary relief. If you're constantly under stress, constantly anxious, you need to get to the root cause. What's causing that? And you need to drill down on it and let the Holy Spirit do a work in your heart and, and, and get to these basic questions. Why do I feel stressed out? Am I not trusting God? Um, you know, why am I dealing with, with this, uh, this, this constant anxiety? Am I worried about things I'm not meant to worry about? How do I give that to God? God, you know, I want to give it to you and begin to pray that God would begin to do a deep work of, of peace in your heart. And then out of that right inner state of being, exercise still. But then it's health on top of health. It's not just treating some symptoms and you're never getting any better. And so this morning, what we're going to do for a few moments is discover or maybe rediscover how to truly have the peace that Jesus has promised to us. Peace is offered to us, I think, on two primary levels first. First, the peace on the inside that's offered to you and I. And inner peace always begins with a relationship with Jesus. It's that simple. But it grows as you allow the Holy Spirit to fill you and to change you. In our Advent reading this morning, we're told that God keeps in perfect peace those whose minds focus on him and trust him. I have found this to be the case in my own life, that I experience inner peace on an ever-deepening level. It began when I gave my life to Jesus when I was 13 years old. I remember coming up and kneeling at those stairs and giving my life to Christ and crying and for the very first time in my life experiencing what I would call genuine peace of the heart. And I didn't know what was transpiring. I didn't know that was part of the package. I just knew that before I came up there, I was full of anxiety and constantly worried about everything. And I right then experienced this, this overwhelming peace. But then became... Uh, then begin a process, I should say, of learning how to step into the peace that Jesus provides for me. And I remember in college being stressed out about tests and all that and saying, okay, how do I get peace in the middle of this? And asking God for peace and trusting him with the outcomes and that he's in control. And then I begin a career at 3M and talk about a stressful place. Some of you should go amen if you work at 3M or Larson's or Dectronics or at the college or at the school of any sort or whatsoever. You know, and, and I begin to say, I want to have peace when I do my job. And I want to have the peace of Jesus be what I experience, not this anxiety. And I begin to ask Christ to do work in me and invite the Holy Spirit to give the peace of Jesus. And all that's really good. But then you know what I really find being the case for me is I really begin to experience peace on the inside when I face up to my personal demons. And here's what I mean by that. You become self-aware and you begin to figure out 
I have some brokenness here that God needs to repair in my life. And that's individual to each one of us. And I want you to repair that, God. Drill down into my life and repair it. You begin to pray that way. You begin to be open that way to God. And then you realize that you have some wrong ideas. Maybe you've been immersed with some wrong ideas all through your life. And now you begin to realize as you become a Christ follower, all right, these things are not truth-based. And I have to deal with these. And then there are some hang-ups that we all have that just aren't healthy that God wants us to give to him and he wants to drill down into these things and transform you. And part of this transformation process that's taking place is you're learning to trust Christ and you're learning to let his peace abide in your heart. Now, let me talk about how this can work itself out. Let me get a little bit more specific. Um, Peace is letting go of wounds that resurface when others accidentally say something to you that triggers past hurts. So someone might walk into your life, they might say something to you, and it just triggers something in you, and you now begin to realize, oh, there's this connection. That's not true. Jesus, you're my Lord. I give this to you. Amen? And you begin to have this deep work of peace transpire in your life. Peace begins to happen when you don't have to win the argument anymore. When you can... Talk to somebody, and they might be wrong, and you might be right, but you're not concerned about right or wrong in terms of that argument. You're more concerned about relationship with that person. Now, I understand sometimes that right and wrong is about some truth that really matters. But 95% of the time, it just doesn't matter. You're, you're arguing about who's the better football team, the Packers or the Vikings. Who cares? Well, I care, but it doesn't matter. Amen? And then somebody will always bring up the Steelers or the Titans. I really don't care about those guys. But you get what I'm saying. You you just let that kind of stuff go. It just doesn't matter. And sometimes peace is letting go of your need to be recognized and get credit. It just doesn't matter. Or how about this? Peace is letting go of anger as a control mechanism over others and trusting that God will work in their lives and your lives as he sees fit. But peace is letting go of anger Because oftentimes anger is just really saying, I want to control this, I don't know how to control it, so I'm going to get mad because it works. Peace is getting to the point where you have the self-awareness to realize I do that, and I'm not going to do that anymore. Instead, I'm going to follow the leading of the person of the Holy Spirit. Peace that Jesus gives is an ever-deepening, ever-wonderful kind of experience. And it's oftentimes something we rediscover over and over and over and over again. It's like seeing the mountains again. You begin to see, oh, God can give me peace in this situation. God can grace me with peace in this situation. Now, God offers a second peace on on the primary level. That's peace with people. Peace with people. We're told in Romans chapter 12, verse 18, this. It is, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone, okay? As much as you can live at peace with other people. And Romans 12, 18 says, you are to live in peace with others as much as possible. So those of us who love Jesus, those of us who are filled with the person of the Holy Spirit, we're called to live at peace with others as much as is possible. Amen? I didn't get much of an amen there. Amen? Yeah. We're to be ones who bring peace. So if there's an invitation that you need to extend to smooth over our fractured family relationship, do it. 
as much as you are able, do it. Is there an apology that you need to make or a silence that needs to be broken that has stood as a barrier between yourself and someone else for far too long? Then you who love Jesus, do it. As much as is able, make peace with others. It's something that Christ calls us to do. If I have the peace of Jesus in here, then I'm called to live at peace with others as much as is possible. Thus far, what I've talked about is what I would call the elementary education of peace. Now we're going to get into the higher education of peace. We're going to move on to something that's a little bit more rich and a little bit deeper in its understanding. So we're going to talk about the blessedness of being a peacemaker. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9 tells us this. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. So you're going to experience blessing as a follower of God by being a peacemaker. So it behooves us to ask, what in the world is a peacemaker? Here at Grace Point, we believe highly in this idea that God has graced us, the people of God, with graces, gifts of the Holy Spirit, so that we can then become grace to others. And guess what? Peacemaking falls right into that category of being blessed with the peace of Jesus so that we can become peacemakers for the kingdom of God. Now, let me tell you what peacemaking is not. It's not about getting everybody in the room to agree and compromise and be at peace with one another. That's negotiation. That's compromising. That's not peacemaking. I'm reminded of the 1975 song when I think of people who think of peacemaking is, is just getting along with others. You know, remember this 1975 song? Why can't we be friends? Why can't we be friends? It says it like a thousand times over. I listened to the song. I said, that's the song. Why can't we be friends? Well, I can think of lots of reasons why we can't be friends sometimes. How about you? That's not peacemaking. That's not peacemaking. Peacemaking isn't about overlooking one another's faults and just being in this la-la land of being friends. It's about being a follower of God who's emotionally intelligent, spiritually aware of those around you and their deep need of relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and then being used as an instrument of God, as a tool of grace to speak into that life words of wisdom, of truth of the Lord Jesus Christ to help that person connect with God relationally. That's what it means to be a peacemaker. And God has called every single one of us to be peacemakers. It's part of the Beatitudes. I read to you this morning from the Beatitudes of Matthew chapter 5. This is what it means to be of the same attitude as the Lord Jesus Christ, is to have on our hearts this ministry of peacemaking, which means I see others around me who are broken and far from God, and my heart breaks for that person, and I pray for that person, and when I get the chance, I talk to them about who Jesus is, and I do that in a way that's loving and caring about their soul. Amen? That's being a peacemaker. That's higher education when it comes to this peace topic that we're talking on this morning. And sometimes it's just willing to be one who will talk about life with somebody and actually just truly care about them. And oftentimes it's one who's willing to say hard things. So let me ask you this. Is there someone in your world today that you know of who's in need of Jesus? Will you be a peacemaker? Will you take up that ministry? 
As I close out this morning, I want to go to an emphasis I think that's really important. None of this peace here that we talked about with the lighting of the peace candle, I keep pointing at the candle like you know what that means, um, can be possible if, you don't, if we don't really have a deep, real relationship with Jesus Christ. And I think sometimes what Christmas affords us is a simple opportunity to rediscover the simplicity of our faith, and that is all about Jesus Christ. I love some of the songs of Matt Redman. Um, you probably know his songs if you don't know him by name. And uh, he tells a story behind one of the songs that he wrote. It's entitled Heart of Worship. It's a, uh, he, said to him, he said this about himself. It's a personal reminder that I'm just a little songwriter and a pretty foolish one at that. And the song dates back to the 1990s. And it was born from a period of apathy within Matt's home church in Watford, England. It was called Soul Survivor, or it is called Soul Survivor's Church. And despite the overall contribution that Matt and others were making to this big worship movement that was happening at the time, the congregation was struggling to find itself in this musical outpouring that was taking place. And the pastor said these words, there is a dynamic missing going on in our church. And he decided to get rid of all music for a while, all accompaniment. He said, we're just going to get rid of that, and we're going to point ourselves back to God, and we're going to strip everything away. And he reminded his church, and I'm reminding you of that this morning also, church. I'm speaking these words to you also. He said, I want to remind you, church, that when you come here, you're part of the producers of worship. You're not consumers of the worship. Amen? And I see an awful lot of people saying things like this. Well, I can't connect with God. I'm having a hard time worship. And, you know, it's this person's fault or it's that person's fault. I'm going to say something pretty bold this morning. It's your fault. Unless you're at a church that doesn't preach Jesus. It's your fault because you're not receptive to God. You're not open to the moving of the Holy Spirit. And I think part of the problem is you come so disconnected and so frantic and so hurried and, and you know what? Connection with God, if you want to have a really good connection happening on Sunday morning, now I'm speaking. This is not Matt Redman, okay? Begin Saturday. Begin to pray, God, open my heart. When I, when I, when I go and, and gather with my brothers and sisters tomorrow, create in me a heart that just open to hear from you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, you know, reveal to me anything that's in my way. And, and begin to be receptive and open to what God wants to do. I guarantee you, if you do that, if you begin to really do that, you're going to hear from God. Amen? He's going to speak to your heart. And so the pastor there, Matt Reddin's pastor said, when you come through the doors on a Sunday, what are you bringing as an offering to God? And Matt said, initially when they gathered together, it was, embarrassing. It was embarrassingly quiet. And then pretty soon... People begin to spontaneously pray and sing some songs and then heartfelt prayers and things begin to just become a new way of encountering God. And before long, he said, we reintroduced the musicians and the, and the music and we gain a new perspective that worship's just all about Jesus. And he commands us to respond to him no matter what we're going through, no matter what the circumstances or the setting. And here's the words of a song. Listen to this. When the music fades, now you understand the song. When the music fades and all is stripped away, longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart, I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart, 
I'm coming back to the heart of worship. It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I made it, when it really is all about you. They rediscovered in his church what it's all about. And see, that's what a moment like this is so powerful for. We can rediscover who Jesus is and what he's all about. And we can rediscover peace. Peace inside, peace with others, and becoming a peacemaker. And we can see the beauty of the mountains again, and we go, oh, I forgot what they look like. But they're really beautiful. And today, we need to just glimpse upon the beauty of Jesus and go, wow, I forgot what you're like, but now I've rediscovered you. And oftentimes, you know what's cool about rediscovery? It's now you have enough information and understanding to really appreciate it. The first time I came to Christ, I had no idea when I knelt on those steps that some 50 years later I'd be doing this. All the depths and the riches of Jesus Christ, they're infathomable. You cannot imagine what he's going to do. And sometimes when you go back and you rediscover a peace in the middle of some trying thing you're going through, you go, I thought I got peace, but now I'm in the middle of this thing that's really difficult for me, and I'm discovering how to stand firmly in God more than ever, and I now understand the peace that Jesus really gives, and it becomes bigger and wider and more beautiful than ever. Amen?